We are proud to partner with MyFlex Learning. MyFlex Learning is a scheduling platform that helps middle and high schools meet the individual needs of all students. Students can easily create and manage time for flex blocks, wind time, activity periods, RTI, counselor and teacher appointments, and so much more. Even my favorite, Synergy Time. And with its built-in accountability tool and reporting features, MyFlex Learning solves your challenges around getting kids where they need to be and understanding how flex time is spent. Make flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com BE. This B Podcast Network show is presented by IXL. IXL's all-inclusive online teaching and learning platform simplifies EdTech needs and accelerates achievement in 95 of the top 100 U.S. school districts. IXL delivers personalized learning across a comprehensive pre-K-12 curriculum, including math, language arts, science, and social studies, and helps you assess student performance through actionable, real-time insights at every level of your school or district. This one solution performs work that typically requires dozens of tools. Want to find out why so many leading districts trust IXL? Visit IXL.com BE. That's IXL.com BE. Welcome to Transformative Principle. I'm your host, Jethro Jones, and you can follow me on Twitter at Jethro Jones. This episode is brought to you by John Cat Educational, a professional development publisher serving as the global leader in combining both research and practice in all materials. Find timely PD publications to support yourself and your faculty by visiting them online at us.johncatbookshop.com. Great instruction gets students engaged. TeachFX equips teachers with the instructional strategies and job-embedded feedback they need to get students engaged in virtual or in-person classes. Learn more about TeachFX and get a special offer at teachfx.com slash transformative principle. Welcome to Transformative Principle. I am excited to have Dr. Dr. Tawana Giles on the program. She is the proud principal of George W. Carver Elementary School. She's also a contributing author to the Women Who Lead Anthology. Tawana, welcome and thank you for being part of Transformative Principle. Thank you, thank you. It's a pleasure to be here and be a part of this. And I emphasize doctor because you just finished your doctorate degree. Congratulations, I'm so proud of you for doing that. Thank you, thank you. I definitely appreciate it. Um, I encourage everyone to go do it but it was definitely a long journey, but I am (laughs) extremely excited. Yes. Well, that is very good. Congratulations. And some people are more gluttons for punishment than others. And so it sounds like you're one of those people. So um, I want to talk to you today about building a brand for your school and what that looks like. I've had a lot of people on the podcast who have talked about building a brand. It's so important. And I want to bring it back up now because in the age of coronavirus, I think it's even more important than it has been in the past because we're losing kids from our school systems because we're not serving them well. So talk about building a brand, the importance of it in the age of coronavirus. 
Wow. In the age of coronavirus, it is critical that you build a brand and that people are willing to follow your lead. Sometimes you are the follower, but I think it's all about influence. When I talk about influence, I'm referring to the ability to lead by example. Just really, really setting a great example that people, in terms of the community, want to support and be a part of the change. And when I first came to George Washington Carver Elementary School, we were going through some difficult times. And I, sh- I just shared with the staff that we are better than what they say we are. And if you believe in me, we're going to do this journey together. And so, and I told them it start by first, we're being great citizens and good role models. And that started with our t-shirt. The shirts that we wore and that I purchased for them as a school, we had to wear it proudly. And when we wore that shirt, it represented more than just our school. It represented our city. It represented our community. It represented all of our families. And so um, that was the start of building our brand is how we did it. And we gave everyone we knew the shirt. And part part of it was, if I give you this shirt you are a part of what we call Carver Nation. You are helping us build this brand. And that means you have to always be a role model. You have to always lead by example, even when it's hard. We want excellent leadership all the time. And so that's what we got. And we enlisted the help of our central office staff that was so supportive from our superintendent all the way down to my principal director, to our parents, to our community leaders, our school board, our city council and our community at large, like our civic leadership, our business owners, they all became a part of our brand. And that's how we started to build our brand, that people would call us and say, hey, can I have one of those Carver shirts? You know what my answer would be? Absolutely, but come in and meet me, let's talk. Mm -hmm. I want you to make sure that you can send Carver out in a good light as you wear our shirts. And so that's one of the ways that we started with uh, building our brand. Yeah, that's that's a really cool story. And it starts with something really simple like a t-shirt. It's not what we would think is how we build our brand starting with a t-shirt, but it does make a difference. And it's a way of self-expression that, you know, says this is who I am, this is what I believe, and it's an important thing that the people choose what they wear. So you found a way to ingratiate yourself in your community, but you're not in like you're not the only school in your community. So you have to get people who don't even attend your school or send their kids to your school to be on board with that. How do you make that happen when, you know, you're in Virginia, there's a hundred other schools right around the corner from you. How do you make yourself stand out? And is that important as a school to do that? Absolutely. It is very important. So we started with social media. So you have to have a large platform, whether in ours was Twitter and because I love Twitter. So I started with Twitter and every time I met someone, we would tweet them out. We would take pictures. We would show all the great things happening within our community. We became part of the community that we serve because ultimately we wanted Carver to be the hub of the community. When the mayor thought about having something for the community, hosted at Carver. When the superintendent thought about having something for the community, hosted at Carver. When the community wanted to have something, we opened our doors. And when we opened our doors, we had to own our reality. And we, we didn't have the best scores. In fact, we didn't have any scores. 
but we had the heart to get to where we needed to be. And so we kind of just really laid, laid it out there for everyone. Here's where we are. And I started enlisting the community and I started with our faith-based groups. We invited them in. We shared our data with them. We shared ways that they can become a part of Carver Nation in ways that they were most comfortable with, from reading books to volunteering to helping with cleanup. Then we started with our business group organizations and we did the same thing. We welcomed them in. So when we had things like read across America, we invited everyone and everyone came. And again, one of the things that they received was a warm welcome from us at the door and a carbonation t-shirt. And so if you wore that carbonation t-shirt, they knew that you were a part of what we did. And so it looked at individuals and brought them into a larger community. And what I said, one of my opening speech to the community at large was, I chose Carver Nation because I can't, as a principal, I can't do this work by myself, not even with my teachers or my assistant principal. I need the help of the community. I need you to own this school. And with your ownership, I will be indebted to you in terms of you will always get an update from me. You will, here's my cell phone number. All of the community have it. They can call me if they have questions. Don't assume, don't take chances. Here's my cell. Call me and ask me directly. We're having events come to me. And so I added all of our community leaders. If you had a business in the, in the Richmond public schools area, you were on my list to receive information about what's happening at Carver. You receive that through my weekly newsletter. And so that was very important. And I would always ask families for their email addresses and make sure that that information got out on a regular basis. I I really like that example, especially when it came to the faith-based groups where you said that they could participate, be a part of Carver Nation in a way that was comfortable to them. And I think that that piece is super important because we don't always think about what's comfortable to them. So how, what are some of the ways that you saw them being involved? You mentioned a couple, but let's talk a little bit more about ways that people could be involved, especially now during coronavirus. How are people involved, even when it's difficult to have people be involved, period? Sure. We have what we call Richmond International Kiwanis. They read books on tape and send the links to our Mm. teachers. And so they continue to read. So Kiwanis was a group, more than 250 volunteers and members that I also joined. And they are still a part of our community. They read books for our students. And then we send the links so that they're still visible to our community. On the weekends, we still do those cleanups. We have an organization that is sharing coats with our scholars because we serve an under-resourced population. And so we have communities that donate um, coats to our scholars where I reach out to our teachers and we get a master spreadsheet going with our students' coat sizes, and they continue to do that. And so hands-on, they help us clean the building. They take ownership for volunteer opportunities. Because we're virtual, we had to get out. We serve about 400 students. We had to get out technology. We had to get out supply kits. And our community came in to help us distribute those and register our kids for those opportunities. And those were very important. In the summer, we had a back-to-school rally at our school. And again, we use volunteers to help with that. And it's just really just engaging in our community. We look at ways that they feel that they can do. Before we shut down, I used to do a 
quarterly parent breakfast where I would share the status of our schools to include our data, upcoming assessments, and just the happenings around Carver. Well, our faith-based community would provide breakfast for us and they would stay on board for that. And so now they are able to do the bag lunches for us so we can give out to our teachers so we can still celebrate them, making donations so that our scholars have what they need to have their desk set up at home. And so we're still getting those types of donations that support our scholars in different ways. And so we are very pleased with the way that our community have embraced us. One of the things that I'm most proud of was our community we started a foundation and this foundation was started with one of our most affluent communities in the city of Richmond. None of them has have kids that attend Carver or that has ever attended Carver, but they saw the need and they bought into our philosophy and what we were trying to do. And we ultimately raised a hundred thousand dollars, actually $107,000 for resources for our school. And that would not have happened without the community believing in us And we were so thrilled. And that was a fundraiser that that was from, we worked all day that day and we started our fundraiser at about 6.30. We finished at about 9.30. I had about 30 teachers show up and we just asked families to give. We just asked them to give what they thought. We had a wish list. And I can tell you our wish list, we just assumed we would get about $10,000. And so when we got about $107,000, we were so grateful. And that brought in all kind of technology for our scholars. It helps us to even the playing fields and let us know that our community truly, truly believes in the work that we're trying to do at George Washington Carver Elementary School. Yeah, that is a fantastic story. And when was that uh, fundraiser? That was in January of 2020. January of 2020. That's amazing. So perfect timing, just in time for the coronavirus to hit. Now, what I think is really amazing, Tawana, is that you've been doing all this stuff for quite some time so that now when coronavirus has hit, you are prepared to still have engagement with your community, to still have support and donations and volunteering and people reading books and all that. And that's one of those ideas that you can't dig the well when you're thirsty. You've got to do the work beforehand. And had you not done that work before, then you wouldn't be at this point. And a lot of times I hear principals feel like they have too much to do, that they don't have time to build these relationships like what you're talking about with the community or that, you know, I'm just one school and there's five other schools within a couple of miles. How can we possibly, you know, build this into our community? But that's exactly what you're doing. And, and why is that successful for you? And can that be successful for everybody else as well? I do believe that. And I think it can be successful for everyone else. You do have to put the time in. I call it, you have to make far more deposits before you can make any withdrawals. And I came on board as the principal, as an interim principal, July, 2018. And that's the summer, as you know, and we work 10 hours. We work 10 hours, four days a week, Monday through Thursday. Well, I spent my Fridays with the community. That was my commitment. Every Friday we had a meeting and at every meeting, it started out with two people. It ended up with 12 people because every week more people came and that's how we built that community. And with that, I brought in all of the civic organizations that I became a member of and continue to be a part of. And so they're on my list and I'm on their list. So I attend all of their meetings and all of their functions and I get to give them updates on what's happening at George Washington Carver. I get to be on their agenda. And that's the most important piece for me is we get to tell our own story. 
JohnCat Educational supports high-quality teaching and learning by providing publications that are research-based, practical, and focused on the key topics proven essential in today's and tomorrow's schools. The latest JohnCat publications include a book whose bold, transformative ideas amaze and infuriate people around the world, according to one reviewer, a title from Global Leaders in Curriculum Planning, Practice, and Retrieval, one book that says stop talking and start doing with regard to teacher well-being, and much more. These books, used by educators of all roles across North America and worldwide, amplify fresh, engaging voices with practical strategies to create transformative change. Learn more in our show notes at jethrojones.com slash podcast. During COVID, every teacher is a new teacher. That's why innovative school leaders are turning to TeachFX, whose professional learning platform doubles student engagement online or in person. To learn more about TeachFX and get a special offer, visit teachfx.com slash transformative principle. I created a new podcast with my friend Frederick Lane called Cybertraps. We are exploring the myriad risks and adverse consequences that can arise from the use and misuse of digital devices and electronic communication tools. Please subscribe to the Cybertraps podcast, and if you like it, please give us a rating. Here's an excerpt from an interview with Eric Stevens on the value of identity and being ethical in our work with underserved populations. If I approach my research with the intention of helping a group of people but I'm using the data that they themselves have created and have been replicated by their, their own personal identity, replicated over and over and over and over. My research is already flawed ethically. Some people, that's not a big thing. For me, it was problematic because I didn't want to feel like I was exploiting people, but I still wanted to help. What I ended up creating was I wanted to understand the prison system at the language level across time um, and across space in the United States. Um, Basically, I wanted to understand if we send a person to prison, we're sending them to a correctional facility um, with correctional officers, and we give them handbooks to say, hey, this is what you should be doing. What I wanted to answer was at the language level with the technical documents that we hand to um, an inmate, what are we correcting them to? To what standard are we asking them to be at the language level? Check out more from this interview at cybertraps.com slash seven. That part is critical. I get an opportunity to email my school board and say, hey, FYI, this is what's happening at Carver. I don't wait for him to call me. I reach out to him. I share photos with him. I share, he comes to some of our staff meetings because we know that that is important to build those relationships. So yes, I do believe that, but you have to be willing to put the work in and I bring my staff along with me. I don't do this work by myself. I bring my assistant principal, my leadership team, and some of my teachers come along just to make sure that they understand that we're all in this together. And so I do believe that you do have to give some time back, and we do that as often as we can. It's not just about you doing the work yourself. You enlist other people. They help you out. What are some of the things that that you do to communicate your vision and make it so that people want to join in to that work that you're doing? 
I think it's all about building relationships. It's the same thing I share with our teachers. There's one, and, and there are many, but there's one particular community person. His name is Jerome Legions. He is the Civic Association president of George of Carver Community. And I came on board July 18th. On July 18th, I got a phone call from him at the school. Hey, I'm Jerome. I need to meet you. Come on down, Jerome. And I think those pieces are important that if you make people feel welcome, they will welcome you. You make sure that their voices are heard. And we don't always agree, but we always listen to each other. And so we come together as a group of people, whether it's Kiwanis of Richmond, whether it's our faith-based groups such as Moore Street Baptist Church, Center Street Baptist Church, or our civic associations, Carver Civic Association, Historic Jackson Ward Civic Association, Monument Avenue Civic Association. That's a very, very different group of people. But we come together for the sake of the kids. And I start by saying, here's where we are today. This is what we need to do. And um, many of our families in our community don't know the experiences of our scholars. And so one of the groups I'm reading a book with, we've just finished one book, stamped, and we are reading a new book together. And so those opportunities are opportunities that we have to build authentic relationships and get to know each other. We plant trees together on the grounds of Carver because, as I always said to them, if Carver looks good, your neighborhood's going to look good. Let's do this work together. And they absolutely buy in. And so I am very pleased at some of the relationships that we've built. And I don't believe, Jethro, that there's no plan. It's what do you need in your community and what does the community have to offer? So when a new business come up, I take my teachers, we're going to go to this new business because they're in our community. Because just like we want that community, that business to support our school, we're going to also support that business, whether it's giving out gift cards to our teachers um, for, for best door decorations. We make sure that we are supporting the local businesses as well and not just local to Carver, but in all of the Richmond metro area. Yeah. And that's a big area. So that's, that's a lot of places that you got to go support. But what it sounds like is that people want to be part of what you're doing and don't want to be left behind that. It's exciting to be part of what you're doing at George Washington Carver. And, and that piece I think is, is so vital also because it helps others to see that you're excited about what you can accomplish there and how you can make the school better and make the kids better. And really that's what education is all about as we talked in our episode last week um, with uh, Marissa Thompson that it's about teaching teaching kids how to become the kind of adults that we want them to be. So, you know, you've only been there for two years. That's not very long. And you've already made these great inroads with the community and different things like that. Was this a foundation that was laid by the previous principal or is this something that you've uh, stepped into on your own because you think it's so powerful? It's what my community needed. It was not there before I I got there, but it's what my community needed. And I do my very best to listen to the the needs of the community. When I first came on board, I did um, a walking tour and a listening tour. And I brought each of those different groups in to say, tell me what you think would make Carver the very best school in the city. And with that, I took everything they had to say and say, would you be willing to partner with me to help us get there? That is what is helping us bridge that gap for my scholars and helping our scholars. And I always say, we put our scholars first. 
If it's about our scholars, we're going to do it. If it's going to make their world a little bit better, we are we will do that. And that's what we've done from planting trees to painting our building to getting new uh, technology to making sure that they're warm in the winter to giving out Christmas gifts at Christmas time. I am very pleased with the work that we have done and that we will continue to do. And the community support is phenomenal. We could not do it without our community support. I'm getting this smile on my face because I can I can see your passion for it and how it's so valuable to you. And it's hard to not get caught up in that myself, you know, even though I've interviewed a lot of people, Tawana, and I've heard a lot of the same things, even though you're saying a lot of the same things, I can tell that it means something real to you. And, you know, going around asking everybody what they need takes time, takes effort. It's a big deal, but it's also your response. It's what my community needs is so powerful. That really is how we should make decisions. And to plug my own stuff here, but in my book, School X, that's exactly what I talk about, designing your school to meet the needs of those who are right there in front of you. And that's exactly what you're doing. And I so appreciate it because it's easy to say, you know, here's how we make schools better and this is what we need to do. But what it comes down to is people like you saying, this is what needs to happen because the community says it and I'm going to do what the community is looking for. I'm going to do what our scholars need. And that approach is, is just valuable. So how do you lift up others to be leaders in this system as well? So that it's not only you and it's not all you, but it's other people as well. This is where you have to be very creative. Traditionally, every school has a leadership team with certain roles, the assistant principal and different roles. But this year, I wanted to be very creative and task out. We created what we call a resource teacher who supports all of our scholars. We have an interventionist reading and math and a coach reading and math and an instructional compliance coordinator who's in charge of special education. We also have team leads. And what I have asked of them is to walk the walk with me. The work that we have to do, I need you guys to sign up for one of these events. And there are, I have many teachers in my building. I'm thinking of one, my second grade team, Ms. Taylor, Ms. Graham, Ms. Bell. They have signed up for every public event we have had, whether it's in the evening or during the day or on a Saturday, they have been there. And those are the things that make a difference. That's how you build leaders. You have to model this work with them. I can't just tell them. It's important that I model for them. And so all the way down from my instructional leadership meetings, I need to model. I model how I want this agenda to be. We talk about shared decision-making. Guys, do you agree with this? What are your thoughts? What would be the pushback? Why is that the pushback? How do we counter that? And so making sure that we are looking at it from all lenses, but we're bringing people along with us. I, I tell the teachers, hey, I want you to look over this and tell me your thoughts. Once you tell me your thoughts, we're going to make a decision and finalize it. I think it's very important to bring people along with you. Um, I think the greatest compliment that a principal could have is have their subordinates become assistant principals and principals. And so that's the hope, Um, bringing them along, making sure that they are with me, that they're modeling, that they're prepared for these leadership roles. When we go to fundraising events, they're on the front line. When we're volunteering, they're on the front line. When it's time to lead our school and our teachers, they're on the front line representing. Anytime we have to speak on behalf of our school, everyone is in Carver gear 
because we want them to know that we are there to represent. And and I can tell you there was one, we were looking at schedules again and we have an 8.30 to 9 meeting every day where the superintendent scheduled one of the teacher times for 8.30. And I asked my staff, hey, do you guys want to go to that? Yes, fine, go. Represent Carver well. Make sure you ask intelligent questions and wear your Carver shirts. And the next day, my teachers came back to me to say we were well represented. We were the one school that was well represented. And so that's how we build leaders. We set them up for success. We give them all the tools and all the resources they need to become successful. And then we model the way. It's important to say far more yeses than we ever say no to them. Give our teachers an opportunity to be successful and to grow a little. So I think that that's very, very important. Yeah. And once you start giving them opportunities for growth and becoming their best selves, then it's easy to say yes to what they're asking for because you know that they're asking for the right kind of things because you've modeled it, because you've set things up. Now, you talk about these different ways of getting people involved and and feeling like they have ownership. What are some of the lessons that you've learned from things that didn't go well, some negative situations or maybe not negative, but just like things that fell apart and it didn't work out. What are things that you've learned, even if you, you know, put people an opportunity to lead that out and then they faltered? What have you learned there? It's important that, yes, I have a leadership team that's small, built up of team leaders and people that have certain roles, but then you need teachers. You need a variety of people. You need your teachers on that panel. You need your instructional assistants on that panel. You need your office associates on that panel. You need your custodians on that panel because it's important to hear everyone's voice. And I think that's the biggest piece is um, teachers often see that, okay, that's the group that she's going to listen to. And you don't ever want that mentality. So you bring in different people. Hey guys, so you've, you make that offer. This is what we're trying to do. If you think you can help lead this work, I need you on this team. We are going to have a team. And so you, you kind of offer it to everyone and hope many, a variety of people come on board. But if they don't, you get to ask folks to come. Who, who you really want to come, but you always have to have a variety of people so that you're not tapping into the same people because that can turn off some people. And so that's one part that I have learned is that sometimes you have to nudge some folks. You may have to nudge that as instructional assistant and say, I believe you have the talent that I'm looking for to help us make this decision. Would you like to come up on this team? And that builds folks' confidence. Just asking a teacher, hey, can you be the team lead for the team this year? I've seen something in you. That builds confidence in teachers. Hey, have you ever thought about applying for the math coach? You're really good. You're passionate about this math. That's what I've learned is as a principal, your word means a lot. Use it wisely. Use it to build people up, not to tear them down because folks are always used to feedback in the form of a Um, evaluation. We have to find positive ways to give that feedback. And that is building people up in the easy stuff, giving them leadership roles. And that sometimes, Jethro, that means I have to do a lot of the work to model for them because I want them to be successful. And I want them to know that I truly believe in them. And so those are the things I've learned as well as checking in and checking on your people frequently especially in this virtual world, a phone call, a card in the mail just goes a long way. A text message goes a long way. Those are the things that I have definitely learned that help build um, a positive school culture. Making a phone call when we're all zoomed out, sending a text when 
we've all been on our phones too long is definitely something that makes a big difference. I've had a couple of meetings with people this week and and I've said, well, we can do a Zoom meeting or we can just talk on the phone. And they're like, you know, I'd rather just talk on the phone, to be honest. And and we're kind of in that point where we're getting a little bit sick of this not seeing people in person. And and that matters. And still having that personal touch really is something that we've got to keep doing, even when it's difficult, even when we're tired, we still got to keep doing that. Um, so in closing, Tawana, what is one thing that a principal can do this week to be a transformative principal like you? Find something positive to tell every staff member on your team, every single staff member, let them know that they are valued, even to the point of saying, hey, I love that picture that was in the background. I love it. Where did you get it? But letting people know you see them, you're not looking over them. I think that's the most important thing that I can do today and this week is really valuing my people, my staff and letting them know that I see them and I appreciate the work that they are doing. Very good. Thank you so much, Tawana, for being part of Transformative Principle. If you want to follow her on Twitter, you can follow her at Tawana G. That's T-I-A-W-A-N-A-G. And once again, thank you, Tawana. This was great. Thanks for your time. Thank you to our valued partner, John Cat Educational. If you are a leader looking to make transformative change by providing yourself and your leaders and teachers with professional development that is research-based and rigorous, yet easy to digest and full of practical strategies, check out the latest publications from John Cat. Visit us.johncatbookshop.com to find information on bulk orders or learn much more in our show notes. You can also use the code TRANSFORMATIVE to save a bundle at us.johncatbookshop.com. School principals across the country are using TeachFX's virtual PD and job-embedded feedback to boost student engagement during COVID. With TeachFX, teachers get eight times more feedback and generate 144% more student engagement on average in a school year with no additional work for school leaders or teachers. To learn more about TeachFX and get a special offer, visit teachfx.com slash principle. Do you want to simplify your school's technology, save teachers time, improve students' performance on state assessments? You can do it all, but don't waste another minute. Head straight to IXL.com BE to learn how IXL's research-proven teaching and learning platform can help you achieve all these goals. That's IXL.com BE. There are lots of solutions out there for giving students what they need when they need it. But when do they actually do all of those things? You need flexible time. When added into your master schedule, flex time enables students to get extra help or intervention, meet with teachers, make up work, get physical exercise, and try new enrichment offerings. If you're thinking of giving it a try, check out MyFlex Learning, which unlocks the benefits of flexible time without all the headaches you get with it usually. Its intuitive design and SIS integration makes implementation and training a breeze. Make your flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com slash BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com slash BE.